0: Oh baby, how We're talking with Rita Brown. She's the one who started the Brownsville Preparatory Institute here in Tallahassee. We're going to talk with her at length about the remarkable work they are doing. And then as we dig in further to the business of black history in America, Jack Hadley, Daniel Pittman, they will be with us to talk about the Jack Hadley Black History Museum. Good stuff up ahead. Stay with me.
1: Tallahassee Talks with Brian Cerny, brought to you by Widden Glass, Tallahassee's first name in glass for your home or office, and by Merry Call Merry Relax, and it's done.
0: In 1945, Jack Whitten started a glass company in Tallahassee. Now over 75 years and three generations later, it's still working every day, doing just as Jack wanted, giving his customers real solutions for replacing window glass, providing custom-cut mirrors, and supplying superior bath and shower enclosures. Local building contractors know Whitten Glass takes care of Tallahassee business. They prefer Whitten because of their precision and mastery of eye-catching storefront glass and countertop glass. It's a fact. When you choose Wooden Glass, you're working with real glass people who will take care of you to your complete satisfaction. It's what Jack Wooden wanted, and it's been the Wooden way of doing business for over 75 years. Wooden Glass, Tallahassee's first family in glass since 1945. Call Wooden Glass today or visit them online, 850 or woodandglass.com It's time again for us to gather as we do so often, once a week actually but when we do we find ourselves in possession of some opportunities we'd say some moments when people like Jack Hadley and Rita Brown come along and bring us uh, lots of good news, interesting information. Now this conversation with Rita Brown regarding the Brownsville Preparatory Institute uh, goes back a few years. So we're not only in possession of topics related to uh, black history but uh, digging into some of our own history as well I think you'll find the conversation uh, rather encouraging inspiring I trust and certainly uh, informative a, a decidedly successful uh, contribution to the education of young children's in our community and a wonderful person this Rita Brown you're going to You're going to really enjoy that, as I have in getting to know her. So we'll have that opportunity, and then uh, in the second hour, talking at length with Daniel Pittman. He's the executive director for the Jack Hadley Black History Museum in Thomasville. And, of course, the man himself, Jack Hadley. And they have a great lineup going on here in the month of February. February oh man all kinds of good stuff um uh, let's see here the 23rd which is uh friday the 23rd roscoe washington local thomasville artist will be presenting a zoom presentation courtesy of jack hadley by black history museum uh at 6 p.m all right and then let's see there's their uh driving the green book and they have that as their topic for the Thomas the Jack Hadley book club and that's on the 8th the 15th the 22nd and the 29th so coming up then the next uh, couple of weeks cool stuff the 22nd and the 29th remaining in this month that occurs at 7 p.m again Best way for you to get there is to go to their website. Okay, so you want to go to Jack Hadley Black History Museum. Um, So there you go. And with that, we had this wonderful greeting from Executive Director uh, Daniel Pittman talking about some of these events. Uh, And he says here, and I quote, In 2024, we are promised to be uh, exceptional in all of our activities and eagerly anticipating the announcement of details. Or do you like details? 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 Of the Jack Hadley (laughs) Yard's... No. The Jack Hadley Yards Project a transformative endeavor to, that is set to be completed in 2026. So a couple years out from now, this project will further enrich our ability to educate and inspire. And if you've not familiarized yourself with this, again, a visit to the Jack Hadley website will be uh, well worth the time. Simple enough, jackhadleyblackhistorymuseum.com. Check it out, friends. These folks are serious about contributing to our understanding and the welfare of communities across the region and across the country, for that matter. All kinds of good stuff going on there. So we'll have uh, Jack Hadley, Daniel Pittman with us in the second hour. And as we dig into this whole business of not only uh, uh, black history in America, our own history, being that uh, we are now in the throes of the 200th anniversary of Tallahassee's founding, our 200th birthday, the bicentennial, yes indeed, and lots of cool things going on around town for that. And uh, I had a chance to catch some of uh, our friend Greg Tisch talking about this ser- series, uh, James Call has stepped up uh, as part of this effort with Tallahassee Democrat, and it's uh, it's a pretty cool cool idea, uh, pulling some of the uh, writings of Gerald Inslee, beloved editor and contributor to the newspaper for so many years before, prior to his passing. So kudos to that efforts and to greg and james they really uh i think have hit a home run there Uh, we on our part will be doing something similar in that we want to bring to you conversations uh, in relation to tallahassee history so it's tallahassee talks 200 i guess or tallahassee 200 and i don't think that that's uh unique in our in our <laughs> in our titling of this effort but it but it comes back to the same interesting sort of thing in that we bring to you folks from around the region that have a particular story to tell and they can do so firsthand so as you might imagine some of these folks that we're talking to have lived that history and continue to bring us insight as to how we got here from there, and perhaps a better understanding of where we're going. Um, It isn't the first time that we're reminded, especially among historians, if you don't know where you are now, it's likely because you have no idea how we got here. So knowing our history, I mean, whether that's individual or social or for a community at large, yeah, it gives us a lot of uh, appreciation then for what it took among people who were the, the pioneers, the ones that uh, sort of laid that foundation, right? Much, if not all, of the many ways in which you and I benefit in this community uh, from things very simply uh, provided. We don't perhaps appreciate what it took to get us there. I mean there's some dramatic examples of that but it doesn't take a whole lot of digging to realize that what is now Cascades Park you know was referred to as a brownfield the the toxic remains of this uh, you know uh, depot for uh, I guess it was for uh, fuel, oil or gas right so all of that then had to be cleaned up in simple terms but that cleanup was massive and required a, a pretty significant amount of, of determination and planning and all of that went into it and that was just just the pre- premise that was the preliminary effort you know without even getting close to beginning what then has emerged as cascades park and the adlerly Amphitheater and all the good that has come as a result. Where did that all come from? Who were the people involved in that effort? Well, that will be for our future historians, I suppose, people looking back to this time when we were part of this thing we call Tallahassee. And we certainly encourage you to stay with us as we continue in this thing we call Tallahassee Talks with Brian Cerny. Stay with me.
1: Finally, the right face for radio, Tallahassee Talks with Brian Cerny.
0: Tallahassee Talks with Brian Cerny on a Saturday morning. Glad you tuned in. We have with us uh, a very interesting individual. This is a person who uh, started with some rather humble beginnings uh, professionally. Uh, she was looking for a way to help younger kids, especially pre-K kids, uh, develop Uh, their skills educationally prepare for kindergarten and in doing so had her own sort of home-based program. Uh, It would be unfair to say it was a daycare or more like a homeschool situation, but in doing so discovered something very interesting, uh, that these young kids were learning uh, very well and it inspired her to continue on and in doing so, she formed the Brownsville Preparatory Institute. And it's my pleasure to welcome our guest this morning, Rita Brown. How are you, Ms. Brown?
2: Good morning, Brian. How are you? Thank you for having me on.
0: I'm feeling wonderful now that you're here because I'm going to learn all about uh, this Brownsville Preparatory Institute that you have been working now for eight years.
2: Yes, eight years.
0: And have quite a few students uh uh, having gone through the program to show off. Uh, Absolutely. Such. These are not, uh, what, four, two, three, and four year olds? Uh, and we
2: start at three years old. This uh, year we did have a little experiment with my uh, twin grandsons who were two years old who have <laughs> made the very same amazing strides. But uh, the age that we like to promote at Brownsville is getting a child at three years old.
0: Now you are then a private institute, are you not? Yes, we are. Huh. Mm-hmm. And does that mean that you're funded privately, or how is that organized? Uh, We are
2: uh, whole pay funded by our parents. Up Mm -hmm. until this year, um, we had always been a private pay pay environment, and basically because I didn't want intervention Mm -hmm. from other spaces. Mm -hmm.
0: um, So we didn't need all the feds and the state and everybody poking their fingers into your business and saying, this is how you're going to do this. You knew what you wanted to do and how you wanted to do it.
2: Exactly. And And we were blessed with being able to find a full-pay base of parents, by word of mouth, because we've mm-hmm. never advertised or anything like mm-hmm. that. Uh, but we were able to find a full-pay base of parents that supported us and then, of course, mm. uh, over the years have just continued to make recommendations. And in plans. terms of
0: those costs for parents, how do you compare with other similar programs, if there are any?
2: Uh, we definitely charge much less than the average program. When you think about mm. some of the other programs, quality programs in Mm -hmm. Tallahassee, Mm -hmm. uh, I would say that we definitely work on a shoestring Mm. versus the whole shoe.
0: So you don't have to be a millionaire to put your kids at Brownsville. No, you do not. No, you do not. So if that's the case... how do you justify this? And what's your what's your motivation? I guess
2: my motivation started. A long... You're not making a million bucks. Not at all. Not <laughs> at all. I'm probably not in it for the money. I'm <laughs> not say. in it for the money. Uh, education, I believe, is something that if passion isn't first, huh. education can't be second. I started a long time ago with my own children, and um, you know we lived in great communities that mm-hmm. had. I have to say, so called great schools. And um, I realized very early on that my children could do more. Mm-hmm. And I was that very active, involved parent that, you know, what do you need me to do in the classroom, on the PTO, whatever the case may be. Uh, but I also was that parent that would say to the teacher and the principals and all the other uh, powers that be, uh, can't you do more? Isn't it? Why? You know, you're not meeting their capacity. And very quickly, I turned from that helpful parent to here comes Mrs. Brown again, you know. (laughs) And uh, finally, I wound up becoming very frustrated with it. And I pulled my kids out of school and homeschooled them.
0: Wow. And And was that all here in Leon County?
2: No, that wasn't. I've actually have only been here in Leon County for 10 years. Mm -hmm. We were in New York. We're from New York. So we lived in the city uh, up until the time that my daughter, I was going to say junior high school age, but Mm -hmm. she wasn't junior high Mm -hmm. school age because we had homeschooled her through a lot of those years. She was actually 10 years old, going to the seventh grade. Wow. And uh, we decided, because the two boys were behind her, and we'd been doing private school and things of that nature in New York City, it was like, okay, it's time for us to move to a higher tax base neighborhood so we could utilize the public schools.
0: Well, and I should say, for those who don't know, that your daughter was a a guest recently on our show, Dr. Atira Charles, who many of you will recognize uh, uh, as a college professor over there at FAM. Uh, she's a motivational speaker. So uh, doing well professionally, doing well uh, we professionally. might say, and uh, you're going to say what? That in fact,
2: I'm gonna say what you
0: did paid has off. It
2: a direct impact mm. on the outcome. Uh, Why is I, that? I tell parents all the time, you're going to pay. You're either going to pay on the front end with your time or your resources, or you're going to pay on the back end with your resources. Mm. And um, early, early, starts are key to children's development. Um, you know, I I don't um, downplay the task of public education. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't downplay the task. You know, mm-hmm. public education has to accept everybody and everything, and it's a daunting task just to be able to do what it does. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, I know that children can do more. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that we need to make sure that our children are reading by the time they're in kindergarten. I applaud VPK for putting an intervention in place prior to the uh, kindergarten mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. years. But at the same time, during that VPK moment, mm-hmm. so much can be done with the three hours that they give us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we spend the whole three hours on education. Mm-hmm. We have the capacity to spend it on education, play, and eating. We use play and eating as a surround program to the educational component. And as a result of that, our children make amazing strides during that time. So
0: they're, they are engaged the entire time. There's not a separation between the play time and the eating time. And it's all, it's all one experience. It's
2: one experience. Now we may have an hour and a half of engaged learning and then may put a break in between and put the uh, learning on the other side of that but at the end of a day a parent knows that their child has been actively engaged in education and we even take the playtime and make that an education piece as well it's not you know everyone in the yard and leave me alone it's right everybody in the yard, and let's have engaged play, teaching children how to work together. Team is such an important part of the world that they're going to move into. We don't teach team Hmm. uh, until there's a sport. Interesting, But there's a team in education as well. That's
0: amazing. So we're talking about the Brownsville Preparatory Institute. We have Rita Brown, the director here, as our guest this morning. You're in tune with Tallahassee Talks with Brian Cerny on a Saturday. Glad you've joined us. No matter where you may be, Here about or uh, across the country or across the world we have folks from germany to seattle i mean all over the planet that uh, tune in and we're glad you're here tallahassee talks with brian cerny at 93.3 FM stay with in 1945 Jack Whitten started a glass company in Tallahassee now over 75 years and three generations later it's still working every day doing just as Jack wanted giving his customers real solutions for replacing window glass providing custom-cut mirrors, and supplying superior bath and shower enclosures. Local building contractors know Wooden Glass takes care of Tallahassee business. They prefer Wooden because of their precision and mastery of eye-catching storefront glass and countertop glass. It's a fact. When you choose Wooden Glass, you're working with real glass people who will take care of you to your complete satisfaction. It's what Jack Wooden wanted, and it's been the Wooden way of doing business for over 75 years. Witten Glass, Tallahassee's first family in glass since 1945. Call and Glass today or visit them online, 850-222-5781 or wittenglass.com.
3: Hi, I'm Josh, and this is an ad for Super Signs. We were going to do an ad that was funny or maybe really dramatic, you know, something clever, but that just didn't work. So. I'm just going to tell you, Super Signs is great. I mean, they're really great. And it's not just me saying it. Lots of people posting and talking to their friends. Here's one. We are so happy with all our signs and banners by Super Signs. Highly recommend. Here's another. These guys are awesome. They run their business with great quality and service. Our lighted sign looks fantastic. I can't rave enough. Super Signs does the really big stuff, like outdoor lighted signs, vehicle wraps, wall murals, and all the banners, the yard signs, and indoor signs, too. So for your business or your birthday party, Super Signs is your sign company. So that's it. That's our ad. SuperSigns is great. I mean, really, really, really great. You should call them, 422-1883, or go to their website, YourSuperSigns.com. How's that for clever?
0: Folks, there are four ways to shine in life, and Merry Maids has it all going on. Experience, reliability, thoroughness, and professionalism. Well, that's why we rely on Merry Maids right here at our studios, because, you know, I do need a little shine from time to time and my friends at Merry Maids can make it happen with guaranteed satisfaction, screened and trained employees, bonded and insured performance, even a free consultation. Merry Maids can customize cleanings to fit most budgets and fit your busy schedule with cleanings on a weekly, biweekly, monthly, or an on-call basis. Merry Maids will deep clean your home on that first visit, something that you've probably been wanting to do, but you don't have to. Call Marymaids. relax and it's clean right here in tallahassee call 386-2205 or find them online at merrymaids.com. that's 386-2205
1: more beauty less bully tallahassee talks with brian cerny
0: tallahassee talks with brian cerny joining us for this hour uh, this lovely individual i might say Who has uh, made it her life's work uh, to create opportunities for very tiny people, uh, young kids uh, in pre-K status with Brownsville Preparatory Institute that they might not otherwise. Is that a fair statement?
2: I think that's a fair statement. Uh, And to uh, further promote that statement... Uh, We initially, as I said, I started, you know, in my home Mm. as a um, family daycare, Mm. uh, licensed family daycare in Leon County. And uh, so by the time children were kindergarten age, they were leaving us and going on to uh, the respective schools that their parents chose. Mm. And the biggest complaint, that I received from the parents, once those children reached school, was Miss Brown. My children are so far past what they're doing, and-
0: They're bored.
2: They're bored. The school is not <laughs> listening to me. I'm telling them, give them more work. And they're telling me, no, slow, kid, down, me, huh? slow down, you know? <laughs> and uh, it gets,
0: was- This kid's reading too much.
2: <laughs> it, was, it was so frustrating to them. And, wow. you know, so um, it was the- um, reason that made me say, able? well, maybe we need to do something else. Something and that else. was when I was like, yeah. okay, maybe I need to think about doing the grade school. So
0: your students stay with you through what grade level? They
2: stay up until this year, they stayed yeah. with us through the third grade. Wow. Um, and we believe in testing, by the way, wow. I might add, we actually test our children. <laughs> and we test our preschool age children on a first grade SAT 10 tool. And um, our children score amazingly from three to four, to the child mm. going into kindergarten. They score amazingly on the first grade SAT 10 tool. How do you
0: account for that? Is it the methodology? Is it the environment? I think it's the,
2: it's the methodology clearly. It's the belief that children can learn more. Um, So the expectation is
0: there. The expectation is there.
2: The teachers that work for me, they they know my philosophy. They've bought into it. And I might add that we have teachers that are from 30-year veterans that have left the public sector and retired and decided I still want to work to teachers that have just come out. Of anywhere from a two-year to four-year school, who are just intrigued by what they're seeing in our children.
0: Why is it then that you think uh, we don't see this happening in the public school setting? What's what's holding them back from embracing some of the same thinking?
2: I think that or practices, um, you know, and it's a good question that you ask, uh, particularly considering the funding that. You know, it appears as though the schools have. There's a lot of uh, money there. You know, we we don't have any fat. There's no fat. Um, I am the principal of the school. I am the director of the daycare component mm-hmm. because we do now take the voluntary pre-kindergarten program. You know, and the ELC readiness program. Um, but I also am the reading teacher. Uh, I also am the janitor. Mm. I also, uh, you know, so, and all of my teachers are the one and the same. You know, we know the job at hand. We know that there are auxiliary jobs to make all of this happen.
0: So what you're saying, if I can read between the lines, you guys work harder.
2: We work hard. And do more. And we do more. That is outside of our title. Uh-huh. Title doesn't matter at Brownsville. Huh. You know, title doesn't matter. Huh. A teacher looks like she's you know, up to her ears in something and I'm sitting in my office, I'll get up out of my office and go in and do whatever has to be done. Right. It's
0: interesting you say that. And I mean, my wife and I have raised four kids. They're all adults. We we walked through private school and public school with them. Um, I don't recall there being a school teacher who ever found herself sitting on her, or him, sitting on their, their hands. Right. They are... Uh, going They're 110 immersed. miles an hour
2: and I agree but what you're
0: saying is there are lots of other folks around them
2: there are lots of other could folks around them help as well that who could help as well and um yeah. and I don't want to be controversial about it because everyone can justify the jobs that they do sure. but um when I speak with a lot of teachers who are still in the classroom and hmm and teachers who have left the classroom into administration Mm. or who have left the system into retirement, Mm -hmm. uh, they all, too, share the sentiment that if allowed to Mm. do what they know how to do, the task would be an easier task for them to perform. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there are so many bureaucracies that Mm -hmm. are you know, now blended into the system. You know, Mm -hmm. on day one, you must teach the curriculum of day one. And Mm -hmm. on day two, Mm -hmm. you must teach the curriculum of day two. And I asked them, what happens if you get to day 15, but you have some kid that is still on day five? Mm -hmm. What do you do? The ideology is, well, by the end, they'll catch up. Well, the difference at Brownsville is that if there are 10 or 12 children in a classroom— you can have one kid on day two, one kid on day 10, one kid on day 30. We're going to differentiate the instruction mm. to reach each child. Mm. Now, what does that mean? You know, I'm not going to be able to hand out one handout or teach one lesson. For all lesson 30 kids or whatever. For all of the children in the class. I see. I'm going to have to find a way. And then how about this? The different styles of learning that children take hold of. Indeed. You know, there are some that... Um, are, are visual learners. Yep. There are some that are auditory learners. Yep. Uh, you have or to kinetic. also... Yeah. Yes, you have to get to know who your children are and then reach them however they appear to be needed to be reached. Mm. And I'm not going to minimize the, um, the job of doing that. You know, I admire teachers. Mm. I admire their commitment to education. But I guarantee you, if you could do a straw poll, an anonymous straw poll of teachers... They would agree with me that if allowed to implement what they thought the child needed, mm-hmm. as opposed to having to follow a template, mm-hmm. they would feel more effective in their space. Is that, it,
0: that sort of, of uh, dilemma, I think, uh, is as equally available or observable in corporate America or in government at large or in healthcare systems or in you know uh, judicial systems where we have this way of doing things, right? Mm-hmm. And the individual within that system then is subject to all of those dynamics regardless of their individual insight. It's a classic tale, isn't it? It's a not?
2: classic tale. It's a classic and, tale. And what
0: you're saying is you're, you've pulled off of the overriding structure to say miss brown tell me what what is the right thing to do here and if you're that instructor you have that freedom to make those adjustments
2: my teachers definitely have the autonomy to do that how do you take a person who has taught for 30 years hmm. i have not taught other people's children for 30 years yes i taught my own but i have not taught other people's children for 30 years how do i take her 30 years of experience And now because I have this thing called the Brownsville way, not also implement her experiences. That would make me pretty ignorant. Mm. The wonderful thing about Brownsville is even a young person who may come into the classroom who probably has better technological skills than I have or better than all of us. Okay. um, Or my 30-year veteran who didn't have to use the tablets in her classroom, but has some hands-on tangible skills that I didn't have. What would make me say, because I'm Mrs. Brown, the owner of the Brownsville Preparatory (laughs) Institute, that I don't need to listen to them, Mm. that I don't need to try to find a way to engage their thoughts and their Mm. ideas into that classroom interesting so i am willing and they in that environment are also willing to learn from each other
0: talking with rita brown she is the founder and the director of the brownsville preparatory institute here in tallahassee learning all about how this program this school uh has for its part uh achieved some remarkable results with some very young kids uh uh, th- I think you said starting at three, three years, years old. old. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and folks, I can tell you, uh, I've had the opportunity to see a couple of videos here uh, with Rita. And we have a five-year-old who is uh, delivering this oratory to an auditorium full of people uh, and, and holding forth uh, in great, great measure. And uh, so this is the kind of work that's being achieved. We're glad you've tuned in to learn more about it. Stay with me after the break. Folks, there are four ways to shine in life, and Mary Maids has it all going on. Experience, reliability, thoroughness, and professionalism. And that's why we rely on Mary Maids right here at our studios. And I want to tell you, when I come into the office and I find the studio fresh and clean, it's a great feeling. And the neat thing about it is they get into all the details that I probably would overlook. But I want to tell you something else. As a new customer, when you sign up for their 24 weekly or bi-weekly cleanings, on your first cleaning, you're going to save up to $400 because they'll spend that first cleaning doing the extra, extra deep cleaning that you probably would do. Here's another special offer. You're going to save yourself 10% on that first call just by mentioning Tallahassee Talks when you call. Would you do that for me? Call Mary Maids this week. Here's the number, 386-2205 and tell them I heard you're out on Tallahassee Talks, and I'm ready to receive 10% discount on my service. They'll do it for you. They're right here in Tallahassee. You can go online at marymaids.com.
1: Now we're talking Tallahassee Talks with Brian Cerny.
0: So we're talking with Rita Brown about the education of our young people, especially those in pre-K status, and then and, and she has this uh, Brownsville Preparatory Institute. What did you say? All the way through third grade. Through the third grade. Yes. And you were about to say, I interrupted. I was you.
2: about to say um, that you know we have to be very very mindful of of systems and the people who come into these systems, the people that go. Hmm. Um, I don't believe there's anyone who is in a job today that did not have a predecessor or a script that they had to they come in. Handed they got handed. Exactly. So, um,
0: so we were talking through the break folks about, uh, some of the recent, uh, stories coming out of Leon County schools and it's a bit uh, disheartening and, and some whistleblowing and such going on. Um, but I personally, I've sort of taken a step back to say, all right, while, while we do, we don't, we don't approve of, of anything that is, um, inappropriate, let's say, in terms of favoritism or uh, people making decisions outside of the protocol that's been been, uh, established. Nonetheless, your point is you got to put it in context. I mean, realize that whoever the superintendent is or whoever that supervisor is within that particular department uh, they walked into they, it. They walked into they, it. They
2: walked into it. Now, some would say, well, you know, you may walk into it, but once you're there, you, you own make, it. You make changes. And that may be true. And, you know, I'm going to always, uh, you know, believe that innocence comes as yeah. the first assumption yeah. until guilt is proven. Sure. Uh, and at the end of the day, um, I can't judge something that I don't know sure. anything about. Sure. I just know that um, there are other ways to do things. And you're doing
0: that and have done that.
2: Exactly. And, And
0: see, to me, when I hear you talk, you're talking at a systemic level because you're talking about how you've created an environment, if you want to say, a system
2: that supports individuality. That supports individuality while at the same time having expectations. You know, I have a curriculum that I've put together. People Mm -hmm. ask me all the time, well, what curriculum do you use, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, for the longest time, you know, I'd say, well, you know, I just do what I do. You know, it's it's not Mm -hmm. a formal curriculum. Mm -hmm. I believe in the things I believe in. I focus on the things I know that Need to build the foundation for children, and of course, having a Ph.D. level daughter and an investment bank uh, son and uh, public relations son. All of my children, by the way, are now college graduates and and working well in their own right. Um, and did not suffer from me being this very crazy mom who said I'm going to do it myself, despite the fact you I had are never admitting
0: done it. That you are crazy.
2: I'm. Not, I'm admitting oh. it. I accept it. I own it. I own it. And. What really was the, um, the. Dr.
0: Charles is out there somewhere right now going, yes, finally.
2: <laughs> yeah, she's admitting it. But, um, you know, I, I, I did not know um, that I could raise the children that I raised, that the outcomes would be the outcomes. But I knew this hmm. I knew that if I didn't take it into my own hands, and if I didn't recognize that I am my child's first teacher, That if they become nothing, they'll talk about what a horrible mother I was.
0: So what are those basics? What are the things that you think are most critical to a child's success?
2: The most critical thing to a child's success is a parent believing that they can do more. It is a natural reaction for a child to push back. Hmm. If you ask me to do 20 push-ups right now on this floor, I may try to do them, but I guarantee you, because I am not a 20 push-up person... There will be tears before you get 20 push-ups out of me. It's going to hurt. I'm going to get muscle strain and stress, and it's going to hurt, and it's going to be painful. Education is the same thing. When you begin to stretch a child's brain, they're going to push back. It's not something they're used to. What we as parents have to be able to overcome is the tears of the cutest little thing I've ever had who's now saying, I don't want to do that, you know. And you have to find a way to, with comfort and with security, let them know, okay, it's going to be a little bit right now, but you're going to get past that and get them to buy in to there is a moment when I jump over the hill and it gets better for me. Right, right. And the biggest challenge that parents have, you know, I don't want to push them too hard. Right, you know, right. I, I want them to be, you know, leveled and balanced. And I've heard people over the years, principals, teachers say to me, you're pushing them too much or, you know, uh yeah pulling them in out of school at will is going to give them a dysfunctional social behavior as they get older. And I always maintained that no one has the best interest of my children at heart more than their father and myself. Mm. And the one thing that I can say for sure is that when it came to their education, he and I stayed on the same page no matter what the case may be we were relentless with the belief that they could do more even when they didn't think that they could do more i was talking with my son the other day who is like i said a very successful investment banker uh in new york and um you know i remember saying to him do you remember he was he was kind of tooting his own horn on a place that he now stands. And I said, Do you remember when you were a little kid and I used to always say to you, when you recognize your own personal greatness, you are gonna be a force to be contended with. Mm-hmm. I said, Well that's who you are now. Mm-hmm. He said, But my you used to say that to me all the time because that's what <laughs> You're parents my mom. do. You're yeah. To say that. Exactly. Yeah, right. And I said to him, No, I saw something in you that you didn't see in yourself. Right. And it was my job to stay on it until you
0: got it. You know, there's a trend or perhaps even more strongly this mindset that says there are no losers, right? Everybody's a winner. Do you abide with that?
2: Um, I don't believe that you should not let a child know when they're not doing their personal best. You can sometimes lose, you know, um, this whole thing of not keeping score at Uh, soccer games is not one that I personally buy into Hmm. because at what point do we begin to tell the children, yeah, you can lose the game. So now do we want them 12 years old, finally realizing you can lose.
0: I had that thought the other day. I was thinking what we're doing is substituting that sort of affirmation for the affirmation that is about accepting the individual. So if I say to you, you are only as good as you produce Well, then what happened to the real you? Why was that not acceptable and good? So if I start by saying, Rita, as a foundational assumption here, you are a good person. I accept you. Now, there is your performance. Your performance sucks, (laughs) but you are going to continue to be my child, my student, regardless, and because that's true, I can't expect more of you. That's right. Cuz it doesn't have anything to do with who you are, it has to do with what you do with what you've been given.
2: And then it becomes our job as parents to find our child's special attribute. Uh, okay? Yeah. I knew I knew with my middle son cuz you know the infamous middle child. Yeah, yeah. I knew that his auditory skills, his his willingness to always fight back at whatever you say. You say up, he says down. You say left, he says right. You know, I knew that those skills that he possessed were going to have some power in some capacity. I, at the time, did not know what career he would choose that would be beneficial to that skill. Right. But he became an investment banker. Yeah. And- Anybody that knows anything about that industry knows you've got to be highly competitive on steroids. Highly competitive. Folks,
0: we're talking with Rita Brown. She's the director, founder of the Brownsville Preparatory Institute. It has been our pleasure to have you with us. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you so much. It was a pleasure being here.
0: You know, folks, this is why we love what we do, because we get to meet people like Rita Brown and learn about this great work. Stay with me through the top of the hour. ABC News is coming up, and we'll be back after that. In 1945, Jack Whitten started a glass company in Tallahassee. Now over 75 years and three generations later, it's still working every day, doing just as Jack wanted, giving his customers real solutions for replacing window glass, providing custom cut mirrors, and supplying superior bath and shower enclosures. Local building contractors know Whitten Glass takes care of Tallahassee business. They prefer Whitten because of their precision and mastery of eye-catching storefront glass, and countertop glass it's a fact when you choose wit and glass you're working with real glass people who will take care of you to your complete satisfaction it's what jack wooden wanted and it's been the wooden way of doing business for over 75 years Wit glass tallahassee's first family in glass since 1945. call Wit and glass today or visit them online 850-222-5781 or Hi, I'm Josh, and this is an
3: ad for Super Signs. We were going to do an ad that was funny or maybe really dramatic. You know, something clever. But that just didn't work. So, I'm just going to tell you, Super Signs is great. I mean, they're really great. And it's not just me saying it. Lots of people posting and talking to their friends. Here's one. We are so happy with all our signs and banners by Super Signs. Highly recommend. Here's another. These guys are awesome. They run their business with great quality and service. Our lighted sign looks fantastic. I can't rave enough. Super Signs does the really big stuff, like outdoor lighted signs, vehicle wraps, wall murals, and all the banners, the yard signs, and indoor signs, too. So for your business or your birthday party, Super Signs is your sign company. So that's it. That's our ad. SuperSigns is great. I mean, really, really, really great. You should call them 422-1883 or go to their website, YourSuperSigns.com. How's that for clever?
0: Welcome back to the second hour of Tallahassee Talks with Brian Cerny, your favorite radio show coming to you from the studios of the Moose, MooseMagnificat.com. You know me saying this often enough will just, drill this into your fleshy tablets (laughs) all local all original all the time that's sort of the little slogan i suppose uh, that goes along with this notion that uh, tallahassee's musicians certainly deserve to have a radio station that is devoted to celebrating their contributions to the musical world and man what a lineup of guests we have there musicians from all kinds of places around town and around the region, some who live here, uh, some who do not, but they all, um, in one way or another, identify with Tallahassee. And we're pleased to be able to bring it to you. You'll find the station streaming at moosemagnificant.com. Uh-huh. Well, as we go forward in today's broadcast, we've got Jack Hadley and Daniel Pittman standing by talking talking with them about this remarkable place called the Jack Hadley Black History Museum. Leon County Library is doing its part in recognizing black history with their uh, library program. this is at the West Park Avenue location. Uh, and so with that, they're offering children's books uh, by black authors. And this event brings the community together to build literacy skills by enjoying stories that are read aloud by local speakers. How cool is that? And some of those speakers include uh, Lakeisha Johnson. He's an assistant professor at FSU, School of Communication Science and Disorders, and assistant professor at Florida A&M, Department of English, Dr. Kendra Mitchell, one of our faves and of course then you have uh let's see here uh yes Douglas con stancil is coordinator of clinical programs at florida a&m university so this is all good stuff audience members of all ages also invited to read aloud from a selection of books provided by the library how cool is this so it goes on uh today Saturday, February 17th, this afternoon from 1 to 2. If you make your way down to the library there on Park Avenue, that would be very cool. This really started back in uh, 2013. It's a local event that has uh, extended outward as part of the National African American Read-In Program. Very cool stuff. Let's see what else we have coming in from the county. Inviting you to participate in the annual Excellence in Volunteer Management Training Series. So if you're an organizational person, you have a nonprofit or other such organization in which you rely on volunteers to help you in all of your activities and efforts, well, this program is designed to uh, help you better prepare excellence among your volunteer staff. It's a training series, plays a pivotal role in fostering a stronger community by equipping volunteer coordinators, see that would be you, with the skills to adhere to national standards, ensuring cohesive and efficient volunteer engagement. Ooh, that sounds great. The full series is at a remarkably affordable price consists of six courses over a three-day period wow all six courses receive uh all participants in these six courses receive the excellence in volunteer management certificate the price on that is 150 dollars for completion of all sessions that's very cool if you want to secure a spot you got to do this Go to LeonCountyFL.gov slash VMTS, V is in Victor, MTS, LeonCountyFL.gov slash VMTS, which I'm sure is for uh, volunteer management training series. See, I figured that out. Training series is ideal for volunteer or, uh, coordinators and program managers. So go get it, folks. That's your, uh, that's your opportunity here courtesy of Tallahassee Talks, whereby we are taking up arms against a world of chaos and disorder. Oftentimes, we are beset with the frustrations of um, business opportunities that go sideways or the lack of cooperation among participants in our community. We tend to come at each other rather than working Together for a common good, right? So there's that aspect of the world, the world we live in, in modern life, and I don't think it's ever been any different. Perhaps for us, it's more evident. Um, we're confronted more, more directly with this chaos, and our our um, I think our tendency then is to really turn away to pull back and say, I just don't want to be a part of this. I'm out, you know, um, understandably. And I think I certainly identify with that. There's points at which you just think, why, why am I even trying to get anywhere with this? Why, <laughs> you know, whatever, wherever your frustrations may lie. I don't think it's hard for any of us to say, yeah, I, I really have to say I'm, uh, I kind of throw up my hands at some point. Uh, So my admonition here for me, for you, is to embrace that chaos, to not run away from it, Uh, to not despair beyond realizing that this is kind of how it is, and that we're always faced with trying to get people to cooperate with one another. I mean, you're going to hear that uh, in a lot of the things that we talk about here from week to week. Certainly we heard that with uh, Rita Brown in the first hour of this Brownsville Preparatory Institute and it it has been a remarkable work and they continue in that effort but without challenges heavens no uh, trying to embrace the chaos that characterizes so many of these neighborhoods around our our community and our community at large I mean are we not aware of the fact that uh, we are faced with uh, neighborhoods that are crime ridden I think I think we're clear about that. Uh, but I think what we're also being challenged to consider is a willingness to not only embrace that chaos. Uh, we talked about it when we had the uh, opportunity uh, with Jared Hickman, right? Um, and with uh, Lonnie Alameda last week, we, we considered the fact that here we have people who see that chaotic landscape, that, that world, their world, that they choose to embrace and begin to work the process because that's the part that you and I have control over. I cannot erase the fact that there is disorder and conflict, but if I embrace it with this notion, I am determined to do my part in this way and stay focused in that effort do what I can do and you say but yeah for what end what you keep banging your head against the wall over and over thinking I'm not making any headway here well there's a kind of faith position I think at that moment you know your faith is in the process Work the process. How many winning coaches have we heard say, take your eyes off the scoreboard? In other words, I'm not responsible for the outcome. I really abandoned abandoned the control of or trying to control for the outcome. That's why I'm not trying to not lose. I'm trying to win. I'm focused on the win. And where does that focus take me? It takes me right back to the fundamentals, the process, A, B, C, on it goes, over and over and over again. And in doing so, we engage others who are like-minded, cooperating toward an end that we share as a goal, as an organization, as a neighborhood, as a family, as a community called Tallahassee.
3: Hi, I'm Josh, and this is an ad for Super Signs. We were going to do an ad that was funny or maybe really dramatic. You know, something clever. But that just didn't work. So I'm just going to tell you, Super Signs is great. I mean, they're really great. And it's not just me saying it. Lots of people posting and talking to their friends. Here's one. We are so happy with all our signs and banners by Super Signs. Highly recommend. Here's another. Here's another. These guys are awesome. They run their business with great quality and service. Our lighted sign looks fantastic. I can't rave enough. Super Signs does the really big stuff, like outdoor lighted signs, vehicle wraps, wall murals, and all the banners, the yard signs, and indoor signs, too. So for your business or your birthday party, Super Signs is your sign company. So that's it. That's our ad. SuperSigns is great. I mean, really, really, really great. You should call them, 422-1883, or go to their website, YourSuperSigns.com.
0: How's that for clever? Jack Hadley is a native of Thomasville, Georgia, 10th child of 15 children, the late King Dennis and Rosetta James Hadley. He was born May 31st, 1936 on Pebble Hill Plantation, Thomasville, Georgia, Thomas County. Attended the Plantation Two-Room School and graduated in 1956 from Douglas High School, a black school that was segregated from 1902 to 1970. Following high school, he served in the United States Air Force from 1956 to 1984. That's 28 years. And... Retried a chief master, retired, I should say, sorry, retired a Chief Master Sergeant of the United States Air Force after traveling around the world with his family, having been stationed at military bases abroad and in the United States. during that time he and his family moved into 14 different homes. He worked the United States Postal Service in Thomasville from 85 to 97, 12 years there finally retired from the Postal Service in 97. Um, he's been married to Christine Jackson Headley for 65 years, parents of three adults, five grandchildren, and one great-granddaughter. Um, this is a formidable resume, and for the sake of our conversation at hand, I'm going to stop here because this could go on a while. This is a man who has achieved great things in his lifetime and most notably this Jack Hadley Black History Museum. We have with us as well, Daniel J. Pittman, currently serves as the executive director for this renowned Black History Museum. He's been with them for nearly five years. And uh, like our founding uh, member of the team, Mr. Hadley, uh, Daniel has played an integral role in advancing its mission to preserve and celebrate the rich history of African-Americans here and across the the world. So let's welcome our good friend, Jack Hadley, and our new friend, Daniel Pittman. Hi, guys.
4: Good afternoon. How you doing? Good to have you with us. Good to have you with us, Dan. Great to
0: be here. Thank you. Yes, sir. Uh, Daniel, I want to start with you. Okay. Why are you doing this? Why did you decide five years ago to jump on this freight train?
5: So a little bit about me. Um, I'm originally from Valdosta. Uh That's actually where I met my wife, um, and she's originally from Thomasville. And I, my initial plan was to, uh, for undergrad, go for history because I just always loved history and eventually okay. go into law school. My wife, uh, one day, sent me a job application for a museum assistant position at the Jack Hadley Black History Museum. And as one of the many students who actually toured the museum as uh, being in elementary and middle school, she told me just how incredible the Jack Hadley Black History Museum was. So she had personal experience. Yes. I got you. And so I just put my job application in there and what just initially was... You know, me trying to find a job in the field turned into a passion. Um, when you hear about the story of how the museum got started, mm. when you heard, when you actually are there interacting with the thousands of guests who come through the door every day, it's it's hard not to be overwhelmed by just so many feelings of wanting to share history, wanting to preserve the culture and the stories yeah. that we have within our walls. So it really turned into a passion. Uh, from there, I uh, was was promoted to museum educator, and I really got hands-on with educating local students who come to the museum. Uh, for February alone, we get about three or 4,000 local students. And just being able to help uh, inspire a, a love for, for Black history with those students wow. just meant so much to me. Uh, and And from there, just continued and just really fell in love with the organization. What do you love most about it? Really, the guest interaction, just being able to have people walk through our door, the museum, if you've never been before. We have about five thousand artifacts on our walls. Uh, it's very uh, unconventional when you walk through the door because it's just it's just a, a collage of so many different faces, so many different artifacts. That when you walk in, for some people it might be a little overwhelming and they might expect to only spend 30 minutes in there and they end up spending four or five hours just being engrossed by just the amount of history that we have on our walls. So being able to be there for people and being able to share some of the history or being able to point out a few different pieces, it means means a lot to me because you really can see people
0: inspired by Mr. Hadley and how this collection got started. Indeed, and we're going to get into those details. Jack, you've been a guest before and uh by the way good to see you. you look even better than last time i saw you thank you for that you know
4: right yeah yeah i'm doing everything you're taking I can. all your
0: vitamins and doing yeah man Yep. <laughs> vitamins and seeing you the better than i do <laughs>
4: yeah, yeah. Making sure I keep my appointments good for you yeah uh, keeping appointments is a big yeah. deal
0: when we get to be in our latter years yes, yeah. um it, it, so for those who are new to this conversation with you uh, tell us a little bit about how this was inspired. How did the museum get started? I know it's it's a lengthy history and it really goes back to your personal curiosity, I guess, right?
4: Well, you know, I, I don't know how much time we have here this, this afternoon. Hours. But, <laughs> hours, yeah. We, uh, it started from as a school project. And uh, being in the military, went in in 56, as you mentioned earlier, and, uh, and retired in, in 1984 after serving 28 years in the Air Force. My family and I, we traveled the world. You know, went to Spain, Germany, uh, Saudi Arabia, uh, Vietnam. Uh, we went to Taiwan, Taipei, and uh, then several crisscrossed the United States several times, uh, going to California twice and going to Florida twice and Massachusetts, Shine yeah. Wam. So, but back to when it got started, it, what, what inspired me was that back in Germany, back in 1979, hmm. uh, you know, over there, we, my kids went to the Department of Defense School, okay. and uh, the school was, you know, ran by that, that, that department. And Jim came home one day you know, as a junior in high school, said, Dad, you know, this is Black History Week, and uh, teachers don't seem to be concerned about it. There's no interest. And uh, I could easily told my son, "Boy, get on outside and go play," yeah. but that did not happen that day. It it uh, evidently uh, it touched me in a way that I went immediately got Elvin and Jet magazines. When you overseas in long term tour, you subscribe sure. for Elvin and magazine, Jet magazine, the Pittsburgh Courier paper, and that's S magazine in order to uh, know what's going on back in the world. We call it back in the states. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we we I took articles and we cut them out. We made, some, we made about six or seven exhibits. Uh, I guess the page is about 36 by 36 20, whatever the size yeah. the sheet was. Sure. And Jim took it to school, and uh, the teacher liked it. So a couple of days later, Jim came back and said, Dad, you know what? They moved all the trophies out of the trophy case and put my exhibit in the trophy Look case. Look So the kids can sort of... You and know, this was uh, at the high school there. Junior uh, high school in, high school, yes. Uh-huh.
0: In Germany. In Germany? Germany, yeah. yeah, Reese, yeah. I
4: was at Wiesbaden and Lindsay House Station. And then on top of that, he, said, I said, Jim, just recent years, I asked Jim, why did you do that? He said, Because I wanted I wanted my white friends to know about black history. Yeah. And we used to teach white history every day in school. Yeah. And so that was his that was his focus behind it. And so Jim now is sixty one years old. Sure. And enough. Uh, so but that 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 started the whole package for putting this together and, and then I left they did then we did an exhibit on the base. My I asked my commander after I saw what was going on, he said, Yeah, Jack, going on gather the young people together and uh, you you guys do an exhibit back the week at the time. I was in the first combat communication squadron and, and our job was to fly into North Africa or either Middle East or wherever there was a remote location need to be set up. Right. Well the communication squadron would go in first. And then the base come in later, but at uh, the meantime, then the young people go there, there was not too much restriction on where you can go off base, stuff like that, because you only got your TDY people there. And uh, they would go downtown to buy artifacts from Africa, off Africa, wow, different wow, places. Cool. So we had all that to put together, and it just mushroomed from that piece until <sighs> uh, I retired in 84, came back to Thomasville, Georgia. And uh, with the help have my wife and my kids, they were small, but my wife, uh, we did our first exhibit at my church, Providence Mission Baptist Church in here wow. in Thomasville, Georgia. Yeah. Wow.
0: Mm-hmm. And so, for those of you who are, are just now kind of piecing all that together, mm-hmm. think about how, in f- fact, this was a very personal beginning. It was something that, Jack, you, you and your son experienced firsthand. But so oftentimes in life, it's those early personal experiences that really encourage us then to go further which i think is exactly what's happened we're talking with jack hadley daniel pitman all about the jack hadley history museum stay with me
3: hi i'm josh and this is an ad for super signs we were gonna do an ad that was funny or maybe really dramatic you know something clever but that just didn't work so I'm just going to tell you, Super Signs is great. I mean, they're really great. And it's not just me saying it. Lots of people posting and talking to their friends. Here's one. We are so happy with all our signs and banners by Super Signs. Highly recommend. Here's another. These guys are awesome. They run their business with great quality and service. Our lighted sign looks fantastic. I can't rave enough. Super Signs does the really big stuff, like outdoor lighted signs, vehicle wraps, wall murals, and all the banners, the yard signs, and indoor signs, too. So for your business or your birthday party, Super Signs is your sign company. So that's it. That's our ad. SuperSigns is great. I mean, really, really, really great. You should call them 422-1883 or go to their website, YourSuperSigns.com. How's that
0: for clever?
2: We're
0: back. We're talking with Jack Hadley, Black History Museum there in Thomasville, and the executive director, our new friend, famous man that he is, Daniel Pittman. We're going to say you're famous now because you're on our show. So now, you know, 30,000 people have just been introduced to you beyond all those many who have found you there at the museum steadily working as uh, as an educator and such. When you think about the current scene and the impact that the museum is having, Daniel, you talked about how for people who come to the museum personally, experience for the first time, they talk about the the, the, the magnitude of the collection itself. What did you say, over 5,000 mm-hmm. items that are for everybody to see. If we take that a little bit further out in terms of its impact in the community, in the region, do you have a sense of that? Are there, do there does there seem to be some I guess we'd call it traction with other organizations or people at large.
5: Uh, I would, I would definitely say so. So something that we all experienced was COVID. And of mm. course, during COVID, one of the things that we couldn't do, unfortunately was have guests come into the museum. We were shut down for a period. And so one of the things that when I was in, uh, in my role of museum educator, um, we really started focusing on was starting digitalization of some of the museum's collection so that schools can start to utilize our collection, but safely at a distance And so we we digitized about 500 pieces, and we heard back from schools all across the country who used some of our pieces online. Uh, Another thing that um, came from the digitalization of those artifacts was what uh, I call Museum in a Box, which uh, features about uh, 100, 150 photos, labels, uh, activities that um, teachers can utilize within their classrooms. We had a call from California who wanted to get an authentic experience of the black experience in in a southern town, want to use that as a resource in their classroom. And so the museum and what Mr. Hadley has has really created, the legacy has has really first off, the, the community is so supportive of Mr. Hadley. Hmm. Um when you go back through his history, um, from the time that he was a mail carrier, from present day people he, he you talked about me being famous, but Mr. Hadley really <laughs> is famous mm-hmm. in, in Thomasville. Uh, And so people have just really been inspired by his story, how the museum got started. And, uh, you know, I'm sure we'll get into it in a little bit. But, you know, we have uh, ambitious plans for the future. Yes. And the community has been 100% backing what our plans are to make sure that Mr. Hadley and his story will be able to be here for all future generations.
0: You know, it's interesting you say the the, uh, future plans. I remember when the Imperial Hotel was one of those ambitions, one of those future plans, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Man Alive, you, you made it happen. Uh, for those who don't know the about the Imperial Hotel, give us a quick summation there.
4: Well, uh, the Imperial Hotel, let me go back a few years. Back in 1936 to 37, Victor Green, uh, he recognized that blacks, he was a guy from Bronx, New York, Brooklyn, New York, and the, the Bronx, and uh, that uh, blacks would have a tough time finding a place to live uh, stop by or be, and you know be relaxed. So right. he started out. You know they start making. He contact other uh, letter carrier. He was a letter carrier, and uh, throughout the country and asked them what what facility there in your community that that uh, that banks could stay in when they travel without having to be harassed or anything, uh, barber shops or a beauty shop or a grocery store any place restaurant and all that. So he put together this booklet. And we uh, real surprised that he even reached out for us, Thomasville, Georgia, uh. and there's a the period hotel that's listed in this green book, and it was a it was a hotel that that was served black owners from 1949 to 1969, and uh, that we all had to pay patri- and so we we went there and and. Uh, because you could not go to any other hotels. You know, I won't call the name of the hotels and different ones, but, yeah. but we could not go to the white hotel. I put it out of the way. Yeah. And even traveling myself. But not, I was not aware of all of this about the Green Book Hotel until a lady walked, when we bought the Imperial Hotel back yes. in 19 in 2018, 2018 yes. and uh, a lady walked in there, a white lady walked in the office and I was not there, she said, tell me, say, here's this little book. Uh, his his hotel is in the Green Book hotel in the Green Book, huh. and I had no idea about that. Even though in the military there was an article, the Postal Service came out with an article huh. maybe about a year before then about Victor about Green, Victor Green, and uh, yeah. about what he had accomplished and being Green a postman. <laughs> but I had I didn't put two and two together until that happened. Right, and I wish today I wish I knew who that young lady was, uh. you know. But uh, and that's what opened our eyes up. Incredible. And then usually when I I stop here because so much has happened, and, and mm-hmm. I tried to, uh, to get Daniels involved with all this, mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. he's the expert on carrying us forward with the, at the Imperial Hotel. All right, you're up, Daniel.
5: What's the oh, okay. next
0: What's the next sentence?
5: So um, I mentioned a little bit about COVID before, but the initial plans for the Imperial Hotel was on the bottom floor being rotating museum exhibits and then the top floor being four Airbnbs that families can rent out and have an authentic experience. Wow. Uh, our, the current museum facility is at the Douglas Complex. It's yes. kind of a destination spot. But the Imperial Hotel and a neighboring shotgun house, which we both own those two structures, uh, it's right on West Jackson Street, one of the main roads yeah, coming into Thomasville. So that was our initial plan, and then COVID happened, slowed everything down, but it was a a blessing in disguise because we were able to get in contact with Nancy Tinker, Uh, she was previously the executive director of thomasville landmarks she left did great things with her career and right in 2020 or 2021 came back to thomasville to take up her old role yes Um, through her career she was able to get in contact with uh, mr rob bull and more specifically the compass group it's a major fundraising uh, and consulting firm out of the uh, baltimore dc area and uh, we invited him down to take a look at the imperial hotel and from there new plans really started to come together which is what we're currently calling the jack hadley yards um, our current museum facility is about 5,600 square feet. Uh, of course, on the Douglas campus, like I mentioned earlier. We are uh, actively reaching out to sponsors and um, uh, different prospects to raise funds to build a 10,000-square-foot museum next to the Imperial Hotel and Shotgun Gardens. House. Uh, the Imperial Hotel, it's going to be uh, restored back to what it looked like back in 1949. We just finished up a historic structures report on the Imperial Hotel and also the Shotgun House, so really great research it's came incredible. out of that. The new museum is going to be something very special to Thomasville. Um, process has already came uh, came along very well, but uh, um, you know, uh, as you probably picked up from now, I have so much respect for Mr. Hadley. And one of the pieces that I'm I'm very excited about is uh, there's a very prominent African American sculptor it's by the name of Eddie Dixon. He uh. has his work across national monuments all across the country. has his work in the Pentagon. He's actually agreed to do a statue of Mr. Hadley, oh, my eight goodness. feet tall, with two children. On each side of him that's going to stand at the heart of the new museum. And uh, the way that the designs are looking right now is when you're traveling on West Jackson Street as you during the day, as you travel through there's going to be a light well that's going to illuminate on Mr. Hadley. Wow. But then on nighttime it's going to shine up through. so the new museum will truly be a, a beacon in Thomasville.
0: Isn't this amazing, Jack? I mean, my brother, you <laughs> you have uh, labored long. In this effort, and I, th- and I, I try to put put in perspective all the many ways in which you have served other people, in all the career opportunities you've had, notably the Air Force, letter carrier, uh, father, uh, husband, grandfather. When you sit here today and you think back, is it is it difficult to realize? <laughs> the The number of years that have passed and the places you've been, I mean, it's immense.
4: You know, uh, we have a good grant writer. Uh. Melina uh has been writing grants for us. And she works for Thomas University. She lives in Tallahassee, Florida. Been working for Thomas University about 25, pretty close, 25 over 25 years. Uh. Well, she's been writing us grants for that length of time as well. Goodness. And because of her grant writing skills, we have been able to, we was able to in 21 to receive a grant uh, for over $241,000 matching grant to Mm. hire an executive director, Daniel Pittman. Mm. And all this came to to the light when I realized that now I can sort of sit back (laughs) and chill out. Uh, I can go to bed every night and sleep good at night because I know I have, we have selected a young man that's gonna carry uh, the museum forward. I feel good. I feel very good because uh, being eight or seven years old, and uh, it's got to come a time that I got to lay all the side and lay aside. Mm. A lot of people say, "How can you give up all of this?" Mm. I say, "Hey, mm. uh, I, 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 it, God has blessed me Amen. to be where I'm at today. Sure he's enough. blessed us to be able to get funds, to do donors yes. to work with." He blessed me to get a job at the post office that I got to mm-hmm. learn that a lot of people in Thomasville mm-hmm. that some of those people support the museum today. Mm-hmm. And like mm-hmm. I tell my guests, I don't tip my hat like my dad used to do mm-hmm. back in the day. <clears throat> you know, he see a white person, mm-hmm. he would mm-hmm. tip his hat. Well, I I bow my head and shake the hand and said thank you. Mm-hmm. And I learned that being a postman walking in the stores down for twelve years downtown on, on Broad Street in Thomasville mm-hmm. delivering mail, mm-hmm. I learned I learned some very important people. And they're working with us today. So I feel good because, again, the bottom line that I sleep good at night because I don't get all the phone calls no more (laughs) and and I don't get all the emails.
0: No pressure, Daniel. Just wanted (laughs) you to know. (laughs) Folks, we've got a couple of very, very interesting guests today. Daniel Pittman, Executive Director for the Jack Hadley Museum in Thomasville and the one and only... Mr. Jack Hadley stay with us. We've got a little bit more time with these guys before we have to say goodbye. We'll be right back. We're back. We're talking with Jack Hadley, Daniel Pittman, Jack Hadley museum. I think what, what, what impresses me is, is this human spirit, this determination in the face of adversity. And Daniel mentioned a couple of times, all that we've had to go through in the last two, three years because of COVID. And in the course of doing so, you've got this museum in a box, which I guess an educator could order from you and you ship it out to them. Is that how that works? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, see, in and of itself, would you have thought of that except, hey, we're confined here, so we've Mm -hmm. got to find other avenues and it's, it's amazing to me, too, Jack, that expansive, right? It pushes us out into things that you hadn't thought about when somebody handed you that green book and said, hey, do you know what the Imperial Hotel is in there? Yeah. Never occurred to you that that might be the path that would be part of this whole enterprise. And now you've got Daniel helping you carry water. What have you not done that's, that's still kind of gna- gnawing at you still part of the i wish we could get this part done
4: well you know I, before i get to that I, I need to give you know my wife and i christine jackson yes. had we've been married 66 six years next week on the 66 18th, yeah, the 18th of uh, uh october we've been 66 six years We got three, 60 years okay 66 six, yeah and yeah. uh my uh, my my daughters, my Kathy Hadley, the oldest one, and Jim Jim, and then Jackie, they're under this reorganization we accomplished here recently. Uh, since Daniel been there, they're board members. Uh, my youngest daughter Jackie is the president. They have been a pillar for me. They have been able to really uh, help us move forward with the museum and and keep it within the family. And and again, yeah. um, in my life. I guess I take it from my dad. He was satisfied even working at Pepia Plantation for fifty-three years. Well, I've been satisfied with with my twenty years in the Air Force and then coming back for the past forty years dealing with the museum. Wow. But there's a time that you have to give a lot of this up, and I have accepted that fact yeah. that uh, God has blessed me again sure. to be where we're at, and so I'm I'm just not ready to walk away from it but i'm ready to relax and know that i can wait up in the morning. If
0: Christine has been with you 66 years that that in and of itself deserves a statue. I don't know maybe we could <laughs> have someone con- construct a, a, a tribute to her uh, tenacity and and, and uh, her determination. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, congratulations by the way on 66 years. If you were uh, so if you were to say there's there's more to be done that you can envision, what I'm hearing is that that's being directed now to this next generation, particularly Daniel, and, and to see how that plays out. I mean, are, what are what's left on the list of things to do? I guess.
4: Well, I'm gonna let Daniel speak of that. Yeah. What, what it is, as part of being emerics, I never heard of the word until they told me one day. So you you emerics now. You are transition. Never heard of the word transition in this respect. Transition. I said, "What do you mean by transition? Well, transition mean that you you stay here until he's pretty well. You feel comfortable that he's ready to take uh, okay. and take the ball and run with yeah, it. Yeah. So uh, I'm transitioning everything over to him, and I, and I'm not really. I don't really. He got his hands full with with right. the things that we need to accomplish between nine and nine twenty twenty six. It's when they plan the grand opening, but I uh-huh. always let him take it and run with them because yeah. he is the, he is the he is the guy that's really. Pushing it on to the next level. All right. And I'm just S for advisor, so I'd give it all up to him.
0: Well, we've already heard of some of the things that are on the drafting board now. Mm-hmm. What else we got? So uh, I do want to go
5: back to it for a second because Mr. Ably did mention 2026. Right yeah. now, our campaign timeline is to open up the new museum in 2026. Okay, and uh, that's around the corner. Yes, just around the corner. In fundraising terms. Yes, that's uh, tomorrow, right? <laughs> yeah. But every everything so far has been going very well, very successful, and uh, we we chose the 2026 date for a special reason. Uh, in May of that year, Mr. Hadley will be turning uh, turning 90 years old, oh. and so wanting to make sure he gets a really nice uh, uh, birthday present. Oh, but very uh, good. But, very good. Um, so yeah. that's right now the biggest thing that we're working on is to make sure that, you know, the museum will be here for future generations. This story mm. is something that transcends all ages, races, generations. Indeed. And so making sure that this story will be available, knowing that Mr. Hadley's love for his son started what became such a big sensation in Thomasville and continuing that is, is something that's always going to be there, whether we're in the new museum or where, whether we're 15, 20 years down the road, making sure that that story is alive Indeed. and celebrating black history. You
0: know, you notice what he said there, Jack, the love of the father for the son. Yeah. I mean, I'll let everyone fill in the blank there, but uh, that's inspiring Yeah. by itself. And with that, I want to point to something you mentioned: fundraising. You guys have this great event coming up that uh, you've entitled "Reimagine," and this is all going on coming up here in November. But let's let's talk about the need to get your tickets now, because I have a suspicion this thing's going to sell out fast. November fourth, six thirty uh tickets go on sale they're on sale now i should say and this is uh, reimagined so we want to save that date and uh, the subtext is history with threads of unity community and togetherness including this uh rather impressive group of folks that are coming as part of the evening's activities right so uh let's see we have Ah, very good. i have a I have my 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 uh, executive staff hand- handing me materials here that'll help me get through this. um but what's the name of the group uh, Daniel that you have coming in the the uh, shouters I guess they're called yep, so real quick, just kind of explaining the theme of the
5: event. reimagine um, yes. history with threads of unity and community and togetherness. Uh, we're really going with kind of a quilting theme because ah. we really like the symbolism of how a quilt takes smaller pieces, bringing yeah. them together. And the story of the museum is how this community, different parts of the community, uh, locally, regionally, and nationally have came together to really support this, this incredible organization. So that's that's where we got the theme from. We're very excited about the featured um, entertainers for the evening. That's uh, the McIntosh County Shouters They're out of uh, coastal Georgia. They yeah. have been on uh, stages all across the world. They performed at the National Museum of African American History and Culture in D.C., Carnegie Hall, the JFK uh, Center for Performing Arts, and uh, we're very excited that this November 4th, they're going to be with us at uh, receptions for you in Thomasville, Georgia, at our uh, uh, annual gala.
0: That's amazing. And you know what I love about McIntosh County Shouters? They are themselves a living testimony to black history Mm -hmm. in this country, And, and we find so many, off, so many times we see representations of dance and drumming and such that give us uh, another layer of history. But this is our history. This is what we've all been able to participate in. And so these folks bring to us what that felt like when that was happening 100 years ago or mm-hmm, better, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Is that fair? Um, so again, this is coming up uh, November 4th, 630. And uh, where where is this going to be held? It's going to be ha-
5: hosted at Receptions for You, which is uh, uh, 1200 West Jackson Street here in Thomasville. I will say we're uh, very close to selling out. So if you're interested, definitely uh, either call the museum or uh, um, reach out to us, and we'll make sure that you get your, your tickets for the event.
0: All right. Well, and uh, for your sake, folks, uh, it's simple enough. If you want to call that number, 229 229- Two two six fifty twenty nine. I guess the best way to go online would be to go to the uh, uh, website for the museum. Mm-hmm. Is that a good spot? Okay, so we want to go to Jack Hadley Black History Museum. com. Should be enough, <laughs> even I can remember that. Mm-hmm. Jack Hadley Black History Museum. com. Our guest today, the one and only Jack Hadley soon to be recognized with this wonderful statue of his likeness. I'm sure it can't even get close to how magnificent you are. But we look forward to that happening and this great gala, reimagined as a fundraiser for the museum, courtesy of all the very fine work being done and being held in check with the leadership that uh, our friend Daniel Pittman has brought to this whole effort. Daniel, God bless you for all that you're doing there. And, Jack, just keep on being beautiful, and uh, everything's going to be
4: just fine. Thank you, Ben. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you for giving this opportunity to be able to come (laughs) and share. A pleasure. Thank you so much.
0: And uh, my best to your wife, and uh, congratulations on 66 years. Thank you for that. Yeah. All right, my friends. So there you have it, a conversation we had sometime earlier with Jack Hadley, Daniel Pittman, the Jack Hadley Black History Museum. We're the production of Spatterwork Media and Entertainment, coming to you from the studios of Moose Magnificat Radio. Glad that you were part of it today. Carl Cerny is our executive producer. I'll be looking for you again next week. So come on, Tallahassee. Come
1: talk to me. Widden Glass has been taking care of business since 1945. When you call Widden Glass, you're dealing with experienced, reliable professionals who offer only the best. Like Widden's top of the line bath enclosures that provide style and luxury at an affordable price. Eye catching storefronts are a specialty at Widden Glass. We'll help you design it and install it. Witten Glass, the first name in glass replacement. Call 222-5781.